But like I just started panicking and it would have been really, really I think he could see it on my face. He goes, But all we could just or we could just do it again next week. And I was like, yeah, that would be great. The spiritual has been house possessed. They never existed in physical form. They only exist in spirit form. It's true. Demons. Hello and welcome everybody to the End Podcast Season 2, Episode 4. Today we are going to be speaking about some little tidbit from the MCU and then we're going to be discussing the box office explosion that's happened with Venom, June and James Bond all performing well in either international or domestic markets. Then we're going to discuss the Penguin Random House debacle and how all the Marvel comics in the world are now absolutely horrible and if you could go to a comic shop and probably find a 9.8 grading it's probably going to be worth every single one of the X. Bob Lightfield's X-Force. After that, we're going to be talking about Letitia Wright and her being an anti-vaxxer. And then the Marvel heirs suing for copyright termination. Right. You can find us on all the usual platforms. On Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. We have an Instagram where we upload art. And we have a Twitter where we upload reviews. There'll be timestamps in the comments below. And just remember, we've got potty mouths and there are going to be spoilers. So don't get offended, whatever you do. <laughs> and Tim's back this week. How are you, Tim? What the fuck is up, my dude? How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm Matt, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, I'm Tim. I, I, Matt does not, no longer is personally on social media, but you can find me still. I remain, for reasons you'd have to consult my therapist about, but yeah, you can find me at TM Bagshaw, B-A-G-S-H-A-W. I use my real name because I, as I've said before, I love punishment. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you can actually go to YouTube and there's an upload from last week that tells everybody exactly why I left social media. Give it a like, give us a comment, you know. Call me names, I don't mind. There's no bad metrics, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. So, Tim, off the top, the old mucker, a little, uh, a little bit of news came through last week. Agatha Harkness is getting a series on Disney+. Plus. It's supposed to be a dark comedy. What are your yep. thoughts about this? Has your life been incomplete without an Agatha Harkness series? You know, I didn't, I didn't think it was incomplete, but now that I know about this, I can't imagine a life without it. I actually do really like that character. I thought she I was, do. in some ways, part of the best parts of of Scarlet Witch, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. I guess the one thing I would be, I want to temper my expectations about it, because do they have a release schedule for this? When this is um, purported to come out? They don't, but... You I know, just... if this is like two years down the road, I don't know. Mm. I mean, you know, my, my interest may wane slightly, but if this came out in short <laughs> order, not too short, obviously, they have production to do and stuff like that, but in general, I'm excited for it. I really like the character. Yeah, I mean, people are quite surprised, but Feige said all along that each series having a second season was always going to be open to discussion and one division seemed to perform pretty well so it's not a surprise to me necessarily that they found a way to bolt on a second season i'd say the same thing for you we found out that loki season two is going to be 2024 and i think the problem that they have is there's not enough wings of marvel to maintain the characters for season one and then double the slate for season twos and then treble it for season threes the further we get down the line I think something very similar had with something very similar happened with the Netflix stuff. It lost the event TV. I was waiting for that Daredevil series, and then it was Jessica Jones, and everyone was stoked. But when you have six in a, in twelve month period, including Punisher and Defenders, all of a sudden the it's not fatigue; it's just inclination. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. That, it... and, and to be honest, that's sort of where I am now. It's like, if you had told me two years ago that there would be just, you know, endless amounts of new content on Disney Plus and stuff like that. And Matt, I haven't even watched, like, What If yet. I mean, not because I'm not interested in it, because it's like, well, I'll just get around to it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not? Oh, well, all right. Well. <laughs> it's fine. I think it's fun. I think for people like a good friend, Dan, who's got, like, more expansive general knowledge of the expanded Marvel universe it's a lot of fun for him because he can pick up like, yeah oh, I know that or I've seen that or I know this and he and he's also into the what ifs anyway but but for me I just uh, some of them were good some of them weren't it's fine did you like the animation style maybe right, in the comics it, conspiracy they had right complained about the, the animation style. I thought it looked great I thought, I thought it looked good and I, I think what's his name on comics conspiracy uh Ryan yeah Ryan Higgins Ryan Higgins yeah, yeah. Ryan Higgins I think he was concerned that it was going to be rotoscoped in the way that that Robert Downey Jr. film was, where it's uh, basically animated on top of live action. In actual fact, the, the opposite was true of the first one. People said it was a little bit too Disney, a little bit too expressive. Yeah. Episode to episode, some of them were great, some of them weren't. I've still not watched the final one, so that probably tells you. Maybe I fell asleep and I've not gone back to it. Unlike... Gotcha. Yeah, and, you know, I, I raised it originally just to support your yeah, point yeah. that it's something that I you would think I'd be really into it. I am into it. It's just like there's so much of it. I get to it when I get to it, basically, which is surprising to me because usually I'm like the first guy yeah. in line for the Marvel yeah, no, career. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. And I kind of feel like content producers on YouTube were forcing it a bit because they needed the content and they can't yeah. go into it saying, oh, this was fine. Because right. then who's going to watch their next episode? So I think there's like almost a false industry created around everything being fucking amazing all the fucking time. Yeah. If everything's not then all you do is get people tuning out. The ecosystem that's developed around, especially Marvel, but their success depends on hyping the next yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's just good to have something to, to join in with everybody and, and to share that experience. I, I put on one of the live streams when I woke up one morning, they went, how does everybody rate this episode? I went seven, best yet explanation mark. <laughs> right. and, and it was just 10 10 10 9 9 9 10 10 10 7 best yeah he's like oh <laughs> right. so uh so um matt matt from england over here he's just said it's a seven the best yet i think he's been watching a different series to the rest of us guys <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, fuck really? <laughs> yeah clearly i have i've been watching the one that was actually shown and not the one that i was hoping for <laughs> yeah so finally oh not finally i mean werewolf by night there's going to be a halloween special don't know if you bothered about that yeah i hadn't heard about no it. connections to the character but I, I mean think... look i'll watch it i'm into it yeah 100 percent. i hope yeah. they do it like proper grizzly is it J. Jonah Jameson's son, or is that a different? Is that a different one? Is he Man Wolf? I guess we'll find out when the show comes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly will, unless they refuse to watch it because they don't like the animation style. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that it is a bit naughtier than usual, a bit spicy horror. We're talking about earlier with dog soldiers. I want to see some people getting disemboweled by these dirty, great big claws. Oh, totally. That won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the final thing, Tim, in Russia, Eternals is going to be rated R for sexual content. Now, we put our heads together, didn't we? And we tried to work this out. I can't see there being any nipples in a Marvel. And then right. it occurred to us that this is exclusively because there is a non-traditional couple, that there's an LGBTQ plus couple in it, which immediately made it an R rating in Russia. I mean, that's got to be it. And then at first, when you told me that, I was like, oh, man, because of violence, because of like something mm. cool. 
no, it's because of sex, and that immediately occurred to us that, oh, boy. I want to liken it to the Saudi Arabian oil garks or the royal family have just bought Newcastle United at the football team, and they're worth 360-odd billion. Amnesty International actually got in contact with the Premier League to say you can't let the Saudi Arabian whatever, whatever, own a Premier League football club because it endorses their appalling human rights. I feel like... Russia had a World Cup. Qatar's going to have a World Cup. Even when the Commonwealth Games went to India, I think it was in Delhi, over a thousand people died making the stadium. And I, I can't reconcile in my mind how you can reward countries, but not even like reward them for their, their track record, but you are signing off the, the death certificate of people that yeah. are in the equivalent of modern slavery. Like yeah. the little boys that do like the camel racing, they just kept like dogs in fucking cages. I couldn't get my mind around it. Like, I know that money's money, and it's not the people that make these decisions that will be generating the box office and will be paying for the tickets. So why should inverted commas normal, whatever that might mean, Russian or whoever else? It's the same with football when we go when England go to like Serbia or when we go to Hungary or when we go to Bulgaria and the opposing fans will make monkey chants to our black players. And then they yeah. have to play games between behind closed doors for three matches. If this is what Russia's going to do, then is there a point where you say, all right, you didn't get the next three films or is that just commercial yeah. suicide? Because it can, it, is it that big a market? I don't know. I can't imagine it's that big a market. I mean, yeah, because you're so right. I mean, so allowing like Russia, right, to screen the movie or allowing these regimes to have these football teams, it's not just performative, right? It's not just like performative endorsement. Yeah. There are actual consequences to that. You know, to the extent that withholding would actually would actually change anybody's behavior, not just mm -hmm. a punishment, you know, maybe it would be Yeah, yeah. You can imagine a situation where on the one hand you have all these repressive, these actually repressive consequences to allowing, let's say, Saudi Arabia to have a you know, yeah. to own an EPL team. But on the other hand, you could imagine that allowing those people to have access to that Western, you know, just like the, the soccer leagues, and the huge entertainment conglomerate yeah. of the West might be in some ways democratizing, right? It might have an actual good effect yeah. on yeah, in that way. That's a good point. So six and one half dozen the other, I'm not sure. It wouldn't bother me at all if Marvel said, mm. sorry, you can't have the, you can't have the fantastic yeah. one. Yeah. I think there's, there's always the problem though with it being interconnected, not to contradict myself, but like we're just sort of, you know, chewing the fat on it, but is it to the detriment of future films? Like, can you isolate films that don't really matter if you just miss that one? If you know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe you say, okay, well, Disney Plus is going to cost you an extra $5 each. A regime tax. Jesus, who was it that Trump got into a fucking a sanction war with where he was just upping the taxes on imports from a country? And then it was just retaliation. Oh, it was China, wasn't it? China, it was China, China, yeah. China, China and America just going backwards and forwards. Higher import tax, higher import tax, higher import tax. It was just like this bouncing ball or like this table tennis ball that was just getting batted backwards and forwards, like to yes. no avails, because all it was doing was hurting the retailers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the consumers, the retailers and the consumers are the ones who actually yeah. pay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah. I mean, that's complicated geopolitics, which I am not qualified to talk about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I think it, you can draw similarly. Like, I think it's important with things like this because it's, it's not just political it's a, like a humanitarian issue and i think yes. it's important to talk about that because i know we don't do politics in any way but like i just think when it's a humanitarian thing like this it's important to to discuss it and bring it to light and let people know that we're we're good people yeah it's important <laughs> this, yeah. Is, 
Listen to us. We talked about this. Right. You all know that we are yeah, on the we're right virtuous. Side of... Listen yeah, to us, exactly. baby. We, we we like gay people. We don't like Russia. <laughs> Be like us. Come over here. <laughs> oh but... shit! Makes me wish I still had a Twitter. Not. <laughs> so, in other news, Tim, there's been a box office explosion. It's been lubricious and sexy and sordid. People have been spunking money at cinemas <laughs> to get back in them. Hand yeah. over fist. So we've had a few little factoids. We have had No Time to Die. It made 121 worldwide up to a Friday in its um, opening four-day weekend and then including the Friday for this. Looks to be the biggest Bond opening full stop. Um, it set a UK opening weekend record for a Bond film. Uh, Venom 2 opened to 90 million, which looks like it's going to hold the record. Also, the shortest ever record, one week, <laughs> for the biggest uh, October opening. Venom is actually taking box office over the first Venom in non-pandemic situations. And it's only 15% down on the pre-pandemic Joker-tober, as I've, as, as I've coined it. So... <laughs> It looks in, oh, June's on 104 international already. Free Guy Bank, 325. I'm curious. First of all, what are your general opinions? And do you think that this compressed blockbuster schedule, which is going to be unbelievable for at least 18 months, do you think they're going to metabolize each other's box office or do you think there's going to be a slingshot? First of all, I'm very happy to hear Free Guy did so well. I loved that movie. Yeah, I think I've so talked about it here good. before. It's so good. So good. Uh, so I'm really happy for that. It's, it, I love when like quality make, you know, actually people see that and that makes a ton of money. It's great to see that. Um, your question, will it metabolize or will it slingshot? I guess my view is it's going to slingshot. I mean, if, if this is any indication, um, I haven't personally seen any of these movies yet, but I want to see all of them. And I'm, you know, this is obviously just anecdotal, but I'm, I'm yeah. planning on trying to like sneak out of work <laughs> sometime this <laughs> week and see all these, you know, I, I'm confident none of my colleagues listen to this, so I can say that. So I think in the short term, at least, it's probably going to be like a slingshot effect. Yeah, definitely. Whether that holds, definitely. I mean, it, it, I think people are pent up and it might be just that people are very, very eager to get out to the theater. I, for one, yeah, yeah. was very concerned over the course of the pandemic. Our theaters here, at least locally, were shut down for nearly an entire year. Yes. Um, you know, so there was a lot of concern. Are these are these gonna survive? Will they come back? Yeah. I think people, you know, moviegoers probably maybe not to the extent that I was because I'm a I, I love, love, love going to the movies. I try to do it like I if do, I can ever, I you know. I just love yeah, it. I'm not a, I'm not a once or twice a year person. I'm like a once or twice a week person. Yeah. So I, I really really like it because I work for myself. So I'm effectively self employed. I've got a couple of part time guys. In either case, what I used to do was when I'd realised I'd worked for too many days in a row, I would set a midweek day the following week. So maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. I'd like irrespective of what you have and have not done. And what the deadlines say, you are having that day off and you're going to go to McDonald's at half past 10. You're going to sit yeah. there and have a delicious breakfast. And then you're just going to go to the cinema and just see what's on. And then yeah. just, just go bounce from one to the other. And I'd take a bag with me with a couple of trades. And when there was an hour gap, I'd go and sit in I'd, like a chain restaurant, like an Americana one or a Mexican one or, or, or Nando's or something. And I'd just sit there and read and eat food and drink beer. Take cocaine and shag prostitutes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but the food and the beer, and then I, and then I just bounce from one to the next. I just love it. You get a bit saddle sore, 
And when one of the films was Hellboy, the recent Hellboy, then it was a struggle. I nearly (laughs) shouted out, just fucking finish it and storm out. But, yeah, it just depends. You've got to be be clever with with the order that you pick them. Like a a shitty disposable comedy that you would never have entertained seeing. Just film two or three and then you can recharge and go again. Yeah, like last week on Friday, I was going to try to do... You've seen the previous for that movie, Lamb, the A24 movie. Have you oh, seen that? Oh, I dude. love A24. I've not seen that, though. Oh, dude, you got to Google that. So it's just called Lamb. It's like this mm-hmm. weird sort of horror movie. I'm not giving in a, in a, anything away to say that these farmers have, you know, like sheep and one gives birth to a half, like a hybrid, half man, half human, half. So I was going to see that one. It's A24, which is to me like the automatic stamp of approval. I'll watch anything yeah, 100%, 100%. they put out. Yeah. Either Venom or um, James Bond. I just, my work got a hold of me on Friday, but I fully intend this week someday to do that. I'm with you. I do that all the time. Not all the time, but when I do it, it's like the highlight of my month. Oh, Tim, I've got to stop. I've meant to do this every single week since we've started this podcast. We've got a listener in Belgium that listens to every single episode. And I don't know how they found us. I don't know. I don't know why they keep listening, but I just want to give a shout out to that person in Belgium that listens to every episode. So thank you very oh. much for listening. Drop in the comments and something. Let us know who you are. It'd be it'd be fantastic to to know who you are. Right. Yeah. So, get get with me on Twitter. Uh, thank yeah, you. For yeah. Listening. Exactly. All our, all our stuff. Hit yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I'm glad you did that. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. If it ever wasn't there, I'd be really sad that he'd gone or they had <laughs> gone. I'd be like, oh, what did we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, right? Funny. So yeah, anyway, back is... to the original point, Matt. Um, oh, no, you're going to raise something. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. And this is important for people if they're scared about going going back to the cinemas. There was a report done. can't remember who it was by, but it was by official. It was like a 60 fucking five page document that analyzed the lowest flow rates, the R value, as we've got in this country, in the world with all the lateral flow tests. The two places that had the lowest uh, passing on rate, the R value, were cinemas in America and the Tokyo Underground. Now you think of Tokyo Underground, that's fucking crazy because they're all packed in and it's like notoriously shoulder to shoulder. But it's because everybody was wearing masks and everybody looked down and everybody was standing back to back. There wasn't face to face and mm. everybody was static and not moving. And also in cinemas, because everybody's spaced out nicely and nobody's breathing deeply. You're just sitting there. No one's talking. Nobody's talking. You're just, yeah. you're looking straight forward. So it's actually one of the safest places you can actually be. And I don't know what your experience has been, but when I go, I'm like one of only, I might be the only person there. I might be one of two people there. I never go at night because I have yeah, kids, yeah. you know, just work. Oh, so I have to like, Figured out to go experience during the day. It's not a yeah. good experience when it's packed out. I just, I like feeling like I'm in a secret little gang and there's just like four or five people in there. And I'm like, yeah, we're yeah, the, yeah, totally. With the cinema gang. <laughs> the only ones I like, yeah, exactly. I, the only ones I like packed are like, I do like, for some reason, the Star Wars openings were fun yeah, to go when it was yeah, packed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because everybody had, it's just a community of people. It's not just randos who are just watching yeah, a movie. Yeah. It's like people who are really, really into it. Same with the Marvel stuff. I do enjoy that. But, um, yeah, yeah. You know, to, back to the original point, and I, I do think, at least in the short term, it'll be a slingshot effect. I wonder, though, one thing's sort of like return to normal, whether um, it will return to the sort of previous model and not so much yeah. driven by consumer demand, but just because the studios are kind of like go yeah. have a detente and go back to the original sort of like spacing out the blockbuster. Yes. You know, so, I'm, whatever the market research shows, I'm sure they'll do. You know, I don't know. And what I was trying to explain 
what I was rejecting that was being said during the pandemic was that it's the end of cinemas, AMC are going to go under. That only means that AMC aren't going to be running those cinemas. To make another sports analogy, which probably doesn't work for American listeners, which is most of the listeners, except for the guy in Belgium. Hi again. (laughs) (laughs) Or Gal, who does? Yeah, and me. (laughs) But anyway, there's a couple of football clubs that nearly went out of business during the pandemic. One of them was called Berry. And it's a really old club, one of the four main really early ones, like 100 years history. They went into liquidation and they disappeared. Mm. The infrastructure's still there. The fan base is still there. Somebody else just buys the infrastructure and then the fans go back. They just started at the bottom of the football pyramid, like the biggest fish in the smallest of ponds. There was a club called Wimbledon that had a meteoric rise in the 80s and early 90s. And they were effectively bought by venture capitalists because they realised that there wasn't a team in Milton Keynes, which was in the middle. It's a a purpose-built city. There's no city centre. It's all roundabouts. It's crazy. And Mm. they moved Wimbledon to Milton Keynes because they owned the football club and they made a Milton Keynes FC. What happened was there was a Phoenix club that then popped up, AFC Wimbledon, and within 10 years, they were both playing in the same league, which was crazy. Yeah. Like from the very, very like bottom of the football pyramid. And it's the same with cinemas. As long as people still want to go to cinemas, that isn't going to have changed because of a pandemic. People need to be entertained. There was pirating pr- before the pandemic. There were streaming services before the pandemic. It's lasted like live music, like comics. If they would have died, they would have died with the rest of hard copy media. Everything else has gone by the wayside. If people are still going to the cinema before the pandemic, they will still want to. AMC... Sucks to be them. Really hard, hard time for them because they invest greatly in their monthly pass, in their yeah. in their infrastructure, in the way that it was a really good customer-centric way of running a business. And it sucks that they did it the right way and just borrowed money before this. Yeah. But somebody would fill that void. And that's what we're seeing now. And it's not just that people are coming back bit by bit. As a last thing, and I know I feel like I've got a chip on my shoulder, I probably have about Shang-Chi, because I, it doesn't take much for me to be put off a person, and then they become a pantomime villain to me. I'm fully aware it's one of my faults, and that's what Simulia is. But this gesticulation and the celebration over a film that didn't even that basically got the same as Ant-Man and the Wasp, that is in the bottom five grosses for Marvel films, was yeah. only a month ago. And now look what Venom's done. Look what June's done. Look what James Bond's done. Free guy. Free guy. I just feel like that whole thing was so falsely reported. And I was saying at the time, great, but let's just see down the road what happens. Give us a year. We have enough data to analyse to see whether it was a success or not. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's lower than most, not lower. There's only like phase, phase one films that have a smaller box office. Like I said, Simu Liu's a pantomime villain to me, and it's someone that I that I like to not like, so I fully accept that. That's funny. Uh, so, another catastrophe, Tim. Marvel Tell Comics, me. they went to Penguin Random House, and apparently oh they've been making a right old mess of it. People didn't like Diamond at all. People were sick of Diamond. But it's starting to feel a little bit like better the devil you know. Penguin Random House, nobody's happy with them. It even made the local news here. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, well, the print news, not the the television news. But even so, like, 
for that to be the case. It's inexcusable. They've had like six months to work out if a box can be sent long distances totally. or not. Scandalous. So there's issues, I guess, with like actually shipping product. There's issues when with when the product arrives, it's completely destroyed. Yes. I mean, you can just go online, type in Penguin Random House <laughs> Comics. You can see pictures of these boxes mm. that look like they've just mangled packaging. You know, the ins- it's just like they're sticking these comics in a box, like a single yeah. ply box and shipping yeah. them out. My local shop, um, just anecdotally, you know, and I think this is true of like a lot of places across at least America, you know, you, my friend, the guy who owns the shop, he pulls out these comics, he shows me, they're, they're like, like you folded them in half purposely yeah. and sat on, destroyed. Um, and so he said to me that he may decide to just go back to, to Diamond and pay, pay more. Like, cause you know, Diamond now without the exclusive contract does not have the discount for the retailers. You know, Penguin Random House has that, the former Diamond discount. He's gonna, he said, I'm gonna pay more because the shipping's just more reliable. And, and that's Diamond, he's saying, he wants yeah. to go back to. Yeah. Well, it's funny, yeah. that, that was one of the big criticisms that Penguin Random House don't actually, they haven't incentivized numbers. Whereas before smaller retail, retailers in the same area would club together to get the, the, the buy and bulk discounts and then split the yeah. deliveries. But Penguin Random House just do free delivery. They don't do, they don't incentivize order numbers. The thing that stood out to me is, one, the pathetic apology. And they put in a little note to say, like, we love you. The, even a picture of the person that packed the, packed the order, we're trying to do our best. And this is the quote from this little love note that they put in every delivery. <laughs> we understand the importance of damage-free shipments and have made the very best efforts to select the best materials to ensure damage-free deliveries. You would just not put that in, wouldn't you? Because I've seen videos on YouTube where retailers have gone, I sent them pictures of Diamond's deliveries. They were shit at getting them there on time. They were shit on the make and actually getting the comics, but their packaging was the fucking tits. It was the dog's dangles. Yeah. And this is how we expect them to be sent. Double boxed, really rigid, corrugated cardboard. Yep. Floppy, floppies in one box. Trades and hard co- hardcovers in the other, merchandise in another. There was one bloke that said he had a mix of hardcovers and floppies all on top of a Vita <laughs> Vendetta mask. But That's outrageous. To me, you have. They're expanding their infrastructure. They're getting bigger warehouses so they can keep. So things like omnibuses aren't going to be out of print immediately. And that was one of the big things that was attractive to, to Marvel as a distributor for a distributor was the, mm-hmm. the the warehouse storage space that they were going to build to be able to cope with the right. demand that isn't which is one of the scandalous things about comics at the minute because it lends to scalping you it's not even fear of missing out if you don't pre-order then you will miss out and then what happens if you've yep. got three x-men on the buses and then you just miss the fifth one it's not an issue it's like it yep. almost becomes like a tax and then they come out so quickly now which is great, but you end up like stumping up for three or four omnibuses in a month. Like, I tell you what, with the delays that have happened, November and December are going to be fucking like, they are ridiculous months. Which should have been two a month, like for the last few months. Now there's like six in November, six in, in December. People can't afford that. I know you're saying, well, it's your hobby. Right, but I've bought the first one of that series or the first one of that series. I'm not going to not get the second omnibus. And yeah, I'm in a fortunate position where I can do that. But this shouldn't be the pressure because if I don't buy it immediately, then I'll never be able to buy it. And that was one of the good things about Penguin Random House. Yep, exactly. They've had six months to sort this shit out. 
Like, I know. how can you not? How all you had to do was look at the packaging. It was shit. It looked like a. And you're right. By the time it got to some of them, the side was off. It was like it had been aggressively raped by a farmyard animal. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the thing about that that little like that little note they put in there. The only reason mm. you put that note in is if you know that your product's going to be trashed when it gets there. It's like a preemptive apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But the, one of the interesting things, as I sort of alluded to in the in the intro, if you could get a nine point eight, like the, some of them, <laughs> they were just foxing in the corners. Maybe nine four nine six, which is what this one retailer said he guaranteed, but it still shouldn't happen. If you can get a nine eight of any issue for the next couple of weeks, yeah, like even like a nine eight of like champions number fourteen, that is gonna be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're gonna go on eBay for like two hundred dollars, an unruined variant, <laughs> one <Yep>. of one. <laughs> like so a it's one gonna of... be the official CGC de- uh, like designation, unruined variant from like <laughs> October twenty twenty one. Yeah, and, it's and got... I don't have to certify that it was actually in a Penguin Random House box, you know, to see yes. it's like very valuable as opposed to like you know yeah. diamond. Yeah, they had so much lead time to do this, and they're a perfectly yeah, good model. Diamond does it pretty well. Like Lunar apparently is great. Like the mm. packaging is outstanding. So I mean, it's not like it's not like they're inventing the wheel here. Yeah. yeah, and also they were made aware that then, like, don't get me wrong, nobody wants a ruined book, but it's not like first printings of Charles Dickens. Like, they're selling out the latest in Michael Crichton novel. Is he still alive? Yeah. Or... He died. So, yeah, maybe that might have some value then. But <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's just say there's a new Harry Potter book. It's not like they're sending out 300 million of them that people are going to fuck up the spine and that by reading it. They don't care. They stick it on the shelf. Like they were made fully aware that these are collectibles and how yeah. and how volatile the fan base is and how like vociferous they can be about them. Yeah. Like it's not news to them. It's not like, oh my god, oh really? Oh really? Oh, oh what did you <laughs> tell me five months ago? Oh, we would have done something about this. Oh, I can't believe you didn't tell me. Shut up! Double now, box you know, it. I think that assuming they can get this right. I mean, I'm willing to give them a pass here. I mean, obviously, I'm not a retailer, so it's kind of no skin off my yeah, back yeah. or anything like that, you know. But the advantages that attend to the rent to Penguin Random House, like you're saying about, like, you know, the trades, mm-hmm. omnibus, right, keeping mm-hmm. things in print, that is, that to me, I'm with you. That was the, that was the huge, exciting promise of really transitioning, awesome. you know. And so if they can work out the shipping stuff, I'm so excited about the omnibus and hardcover and like epic, you know, issues yes, that I'm willing to give them personally a pass and just hope they can, you know, step it up. You have to think as well, giving them the benefit of the doubt. No one does a shit job intentionally. Like what yeah. they probably did was they may have just ordered all this stuff and they thought, well, we've got it. Let's use it. Let's see how it goes. But there mm-hmm. must have they, like, I can't believe the first the first time they tried sending something, it was to a retailer. Like, they must have done a few dummy shipments across from one end of America to the other or to, or to London and back. Like, yep. surely they must have known. And yep. also, if you know, you apologise beforehand. You say, look, we're really sorry about this. This is probably going to happen. We've addressed it and we can assure you it's going to happen. But like that, no, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's like they think they're convinced, like they're pulling the wool over people's eyes. Oh, well, the note said it was perfectly packaged. I wonder what could have possibly happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and adding like the picture of the sh- of the actual packer is just That's so like weird. cynical to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's, I think it's kind of cynical too. It's like, don't yeah. get mad. Look at this human being. Yes, yes. But do you know what it kind of reminds me of? It's when you've got a bloke that's 
been recently single that's been in a long relationship and he's like only been on tinder for the first time and he doesn't realize that i mean men are probably just as bad but like there's a lot of time wasters and just because someone sent you a message doesn't mean they're interested in you and he's going mm. around the office going oh god look who i've got a message from now oh, god, look at this oh, i've got about <laughs> five of them on the go dude honestly four of them aren't even interested because look at look at the, the amount of text that you're writing turn it upside down so you can't read it and then just see the, how big your blocks are compared to what she's saying back to you it's awkward because you're looking at a picture of this this girl and he he believes that she's interested in him and that's what this feels like it's like oh yeah but look here's dave dave packaged it for you dave really cared about this yeah no, dave did not fucking care about this one bit you're paying him <laughs> minimum wage and he works in a fucking factory <laughs> Right. In the right. arse end, in arse end America somewhere, do you know what I mean? Where the, the cheapest um, warehouse space was he travel like half an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back on minimum fucking wage. He does not care about this package. <laughs> actual he, doesn't care, yeah. he doesn't care you're getting your uh, tech on Avengers at a 9.8. He does not give yeah, it. He, 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 don't give, he don't give a fuck, mate. <laughs> He doesn't even know what this shit is. <laughs> no. He's probably like fucking grown men reading comics. Fucking yeah, arsehole. totally. So I'll, I'll teach them. I'll teach them to have disposable income and a, and a thirst for a fantasy. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fucking teach them to have escapism. <laughs> right, totally. Totally. <laughs> oh, that's tickled me somewhat. That has tickled me pink. <laughs> so, shall we move on, Tim? Let's do it. Talking about being tickled pink, no, I'm joking. I can't do any segue with that. <laughs> I wish I'd say something <laughs> different now. Letitia Wright, the dirty anti-vaxxer. Now look, people, time for some real talk here. Gonna get down double, to it. I'm, I'm being double-vaxxed, and I'm happy to say that now. I'm not going to give you opinion, but 98.5% of people dying haven't been vaxxed. That's just straightforward. So if you don't want to get vaxxed, that's your choice. And I'm happy for you to take that risk. It doesn't bother me anymore. In the same way that I, I wear masks because I don't want other people wearing masks to feel anxious. I don't wear it to protect you because if you've made the choice to not have the vaccination, then that's your choice. And that's your responsibility. Now, Letitia Wright, she's refusing to get the vaccination. Now, I work for myself and I work from home, so it doesn't affect anybody else. But she's going into a studio, working in close quarters... Like, it's on a different level. I, I, I just feel like you can have your beliefs, but what you can't do is blame the world that's set up to the antithesis of those beliefs when it, and what the consequences for that might be. You can say, I am an anti-vaxxer. Great. But the country is now set up for people that are vaccinated and the privileges that that provides. If you right. choose to do that then you accept the consequences. You can't choose it and then be at odds with the world that you've chosen to be not be a part of. And right, I know that, completely. That, that, that there's, there is a pressure with it, and then it's kind of like scoreboard pressure. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it's what it comes from cricket, because one team bats and then the next team bats. So you know exactly how many runs you have to get before you mm -hmm. take to the field. I suppose baseball's the same, isn't it? Baseball, like, same way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a scoreboard pressure. But with cricket, because the numbers are in the two, three hundred, four hundreds, if a team comes out and they know that they've got to get 500 runs, then just the enormity of the task in hand provides its own sort of, like, the nervousness of it. Whereas if yeah. it's like a 200 score or a 250, then you come out more confident. So they call it, like, scoreboard pressure, which is a different thing to have to deal with. And I can understand that. It can be so restrictive, the privileges that you're allowed to from being double back, so you might not want to do it, but the scoreboard pressure of it 
might push you into it. So I understand that that way of thought, but ultimately, it just annoys me. It just annoys me that it's not criticizing celebrity or wealthy people or successful people, but you've just got a fucking brilliant job. Yep. And if this enables you to do it, and the thing that I just feel like Marvel is so fucking limp-wristed these days. Feige doesn't want to upset the apple cart, and look, fair play to him because he's what he's done. He deserves to have like a carte blanche with the way he approaches things. But I know we we went on the same side with the Scarlett Johansson thing, although we did find a, a middle ground by the end of it. But with this, I just feel like, what's the point of setting rules if they're just there for somebody to say they disagree with it and then carry on anyway? Yeah. Don't want to get vaccinated. That's a really big thing for Disney. So you die off screen with Black Panther. And then we're just going to make this... We Look, we can bring half the people of the galaxy back from the dead. We can, we can find a pretty good sentence that brings Killmonger back. Make it Michael B. Jordan, Winston Duke-centric, and have him against Nova. No one's going to notice that Letitia Wright is not in that film. Yeah. That's straightforward. And, and then, you know, what happens when... First of all, I agree with all, all of your statements about vaccination. I, likewise, am double-vaxxed. If I could get one of each vaccine in each of my limbs right now, I would do it as a booster. I'd take 10 more of them, right? Like, I don't care. Um, (laughs) And I also wear a mask uh, everywhere. But, you know, for me, it's because I have little kids who can't be vaccinated yet. So there's an issue of, like, making sure that I don't bring something into the house or something like that. And that, that to me, is the the fundamental flaw. First of all, I have no patience for anti-vax, for, like, people who are not vaccinated. I have no patience for that. I do respect their right to do what they want, but I fucking don't care. Like, fuck off, basically. (laughs) Uh, It's always framed in the context of my body, my choice. I'll do what I want with my body. But the thing is, like, that's not what we're talking about here. You you could be a vector of, of, like, a public health crisis. It's about effect. It's about other people. So for you, like, Matt, I I like the idea that even though you, you would not otherwise wear a mask, you do so because you want to accommodate sort of emotional health of other people yeah, exactly yeah 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 and so for and, and then for me it's i wear it because you know i like that actually idea and maybe i'll continue to even do it after my kids are vaccinated for that reason i just think it's good manners when you go into a shop like i know like shops can't exist without customers but you're you've made the choice to go to that shop and the people that work there and some of them some of the people that work in the shops now don't wear them so that's fair enough yeah and that's 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 company policy and then i choose whether i want to go to that shop again but i just think it's good manners it's just a mask no one's asking you to stick your finger in your asshole while you're walking around like, <laughs> right. do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah like it's just wearing a mask but to get back to uh letitia wright letitia particularly wright. so disney is actually going to impose a vaccination mandate on all yeah, yes, future yeah. productions. But anything that's in current production is grandfathered in. So she, mm-hmm. unfortunately, is not in violation of company policy at this point. What if the rest of the cast just said we don't want to work with what her? What if she got sick and they had to halt production for like mm-hmm. six weeks? You yeah. Know? And the whole thing would have been done if everybody just stayed the fuck inside for two weeks. That's all that everybody That's so do. true. If anyone, if everyone just stayed home back in March of 2020 and yeah. didn't go anywhere, we would be, there'd be, It'd be over. The problem here was like young people having parties and that and not caring because like it wasn't, yeah. and then they take it back and they kill somebody else's grandma. So <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, I, mean, this, well, this... I wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> yeah, it, but it is just frustrating. Look at Olympic athletes and what they have to go through. It's not just the strain on their bodies; it's the psychology of being an elite athlete and the strain of not being with family. A lot of them have young families, or the female athletes that simply just have to put off having children until they're in their 30s i know modern medicine is different but that's not when most women do right like it's something people do in the 20s so 
they accept that being an elite athlete comes with sacrifices. Letitia Wright is, within effect, an elite level actress who wants yeah. it all their own way. And yeah, accommodate my beliefs. Everyone else should adapt to me. So let's wrap this up, Tim. Let's let's get to let's get to where we're supposed to be. Marvel Airs suing for the copyright termination. Yeah, yeah. First of all, what in good old blimey's going on with this? And then second of all, how do you feel about it? Do you think that this, this is the way it should be, or or do you feel like they're just being greedy? No, I definitely do not. Scoundrels. I do not think they're being greedy. And, uh, you know, as we've discussed in the past, I'm more mm. labor over management. Although this, yeah, yeah. these people are not the laborers, right? They're the descendants of the laborers. But let's leave that point aside. Basically, what happened is they all got together with this one attorney who filed these notice of terminations for copyright. And then Marvel's Mark actually... Is that... Yeah, his name's Mark Toberoff. Yeah, he did That's the a recent... great name. Yeah, it really is. It's so solicitor as well, isn't it? Like yeah, it's yeah. proper power suit and slick back hair. Like I'm getting American Psycho vibe. Yeah, and the only reason why I know that is because he just won a very similar case for Friday the 13th going back to Victor Miller. And that was decided in the last fortnight. So Mark Toberoff is now going to be the guy that's fighting for the heirs of uh, Steve Dick- Ditko, Stan Lee, etc. Marvel is, it's not a countersuit exactly, but they have sued the people who are requesting the notice of terminations and the issue surrounds whether under copyright law the work that these creators did like but whether they were created these characters under a work for hire agreement or they were separate freelance uh creators who effectively sold the creations to marvel i'm no like ip lawyer so i'm not sure where like what set of facts would distinguish whether it's one or the other but that's the central question as to whether these were work for hire in which case marvel would retain the copyright or if they were freelance that sold them outside of the work for hire arrangement, in which case they could file for notice of termination of the copyright. Now, a lot of people are saying that what would happen if the heirs won is that they would get rights to the character, or at least some rights to the character. I'm not sure exactly what would be complete or some subset of rights to the characters. I know that the notice of termination, for instance, would only apply in the United States. So Marvel, regardless, would retain the rights to do things with the characters outside of the United States. Um, Yeah. Uh, So people are speculating what would happen if they won is that they'd simply just license back the characters to Marvel for a fee. But you have identified a problem with that. Do you want to talk about the problem? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but come on. Oh, so the problem is what happens if they get the copyright, they're free to sell it to anyone. What happens yeah. if some other business, like a loss leader, like we've discussed in the past, Amazon yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah. whatever comes in and says, no, no, whatever Disney gives you, we'll add 10% to that. So there could be an issue where Marvel, you know, at least theoretically does not, or Disney does not ultimately retain the copyright because someone else outbids them. I don't know how plausible that is, or even whether that's possible. There might be some issue. And again, I'm not an IP lawyer, but there could be some some issue in the notice of termination or just in the law that says the person who did own the copyright has like a right of first refusal for additional licensing or something like that. I don't know, but that is a little wrinkle there that, you know, it could either cost Disney a lot because there's a bidding war or Disney loses out entirely. I was reading something about the the date that the actual legislation happened and because that succeeds the work, there might be a get out of jail card with that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't know about the timing. That could definitely provide a wrinkle i haven't read the papers so i don't know what the arguments are in the in marvel's lawsuit there's another case that disney having to deal with and that's for the thomas brothers who sold a hunter's script in no one could see me doing the the air quote but hunter's in air quotes script in 1984 it was later made into the predator in 1987 so they're getting it from all sides it seems like the floodgates have opened now 
It's surprising that after the decision for Friday the 13th, Marvel must see that there are distinct differences and and different precedences that need to be taken into account. For something like The Predator, you'd think that would be done and dusted. The Friday the 13th's gone back. Like, there's there's that legal precedent set now, surely. Totally, totally. I'm sympathetic to these notices of termination. Like, I do think that, you know, we've talked in the past about whether relationship between creators and the and the companies yeah. they work for on a, on a previous pod and in another context, like the Substack stuff, for instance. But here, you know, I am sympathetic to that, to the heirs of these creators, because I think generally speaking, it would provide yet another little wedge in, in respecting creator rights overall. And so I would be sympathetic to their loss, to these notices of termination. And if they can get at least something for these characters, I would be fine with that. As long as, you know, the question is like, how far am I willing to go with that? Like if it really mm-hmm. came down to it, and they decided we're going to sell the copyright or the yeah. license to somebody else, not Marvel. If you pressed me on that, I'm not sure exactly how sympathetic ultimately that would be to them. Because ultimately what I want is for Marvel to retain the rights to these characters and make movies and comics with them. What do you I think, think? I think from my point of view, it's very similar to the uh, comics creators not getting any remuneration, their ideas being used for the films, and also with Scarlett Johansson, really. I think we're going to fall yeah. on different sides. The one opinion that I have similarly to the previous discussion. Say Victor Miller, when he did a good job on Friday the 13th, how much additional work did he get on the back of the reputational gains? As a scriptwriter for hire, did his career then exceed the franchise of the of Friday the 13th, or did he struggle to find work afterwards? I know that the opportunity to do more work isn't always going to be directly proportionate to talent. I mean, we've seen like loads of musicians that are one-hit wonders. That's the opinion that I hold similar. The difference of opinion that I have is that with film studios, and I suppose in a way it does work for comics as well, they will release 70, 80 films, say, yeah, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30. Let's let's say 30 films. They're paying each scriptwriter X amount. And let's not forget all the money that's been put down to optioning IPs as well that never actually make it to screen. Three of those films might be blockbusters. You have to pay 20 or 30 scriptwriters. Fair enough, only one of those films did well, but it's not like the ones that didn't have success weren't being paid. So when you add up all the money for paying all the scriptwriters, all the technical staff and all that, is there still a balance? Or is it a case that the studios are making hand, money hand over fist on one IP and the rest of it just balances the books? Do you see what I'm saying? I, I, I just think you have to look at it holistically. What's the conclusion you draw from that? I don't know. I'm not so bothered about this. I do think that there is definitely a readjustment that needs to be made in the yeah. in the words of Robert Meyer Brumet, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. <laughs> right, totally. Things change pretty quickly these days. Probably in the last 20 years, there's probably been as much acceleration in content and media and the way we consume it as probably the last 200. So I think more so that you can't future-proof contracts. So I think what would be signed and is fair today isn't going to be reflective of what Steve Ditko, what Stan Lee signed themselves up to. Unless like with um, the Thomas Brothers, with Victor Miller, we had an established format of consuming mass media in the 80s 70s 80s people were going to the cinema and they're yeah, the, yeah. the big thing to do right so i'm less sympathetic to them but the heirs of the marvel characters i think that really there was no way of negotiating a landscape that had changed so so much i think there does have to be a rebalance in this instance yeah, i'm not as concerned going forward because everyone's aware of the problems and if you want to exactly. negotiate it you can negotiate yeah. it but in your agreement you don't have to sign the form agreement you know whatever 
Like, it feels like there's a real big watershed moment. There has to be a better profit sharing. But I don't know how you balance that because no film producer sets out to make a shit film that underperforms. Mm -hmm. I'm not the smartest guy in any room. So if I'm thinking this, and I'm sure the studios are as well, but there has to be a bit of give and take. You can't have a no-risk situation from one side and have one side assume all the risk, basically. Exactly. Exactly. I'm happy to wrap it up there, mate. Are you? Should we do a little bit of what what we've been reading? Yeah, please. You uh, start. You go. I've been. I'll just go quickly through some of the things I've been reading. I've not finished this one yet, but Shanghai Red is just a, a marvelous story. It's about um, uh, a person that's been on a boat and they've been basically kidnapped and forced to work on a boat for two years while they're going from America to Shanghai. And then when they get to shore, they are given the choice to be left there, or now they've paid off their debt, they can work again for another two years on the way back to America. And what happens is the person there says, I'll give you a third option. I'm going to kill you all and steal your boat. And then there's this whole revenge plot of finding out the people that falsely imprisoned her and sold her to the ship and trying to rediscover family links and ties. And there's this huge burden on this young person because they've had to do such foul and horrid things along the way. Have they lost their humanity? And if Mm -hmm. they can reestablish themselves as a person, or is revenge all they are now? It's by Christopher Sabella, uh, drawn by Joshua Hickson. Next one up is Black Cat Volume 5. Jed Mackey, absolutely fucking love everything that he's written. What I like about this is he's taken a really sort of unsuspecting character that's, that has no right to really have any law or back law. She's an accompaniment to the Spider-Man story, really. Like a tertiary character or like just sort of subservient to other other characters' story, but he yeah. creates this world within the world that's textured and emotional and enthralling that you buy into. And it's not just about finding out what makes a character tick, because what that usually means is, oh, there's some painful backstory that's made like that. You have this thief, doesn't want to hurt anybody, but she fully embraces the fact that she is not a hero. It's the way that she puts together this team, the way that the characters are done. It's kind of like the gaming thing. You put someone in a silly hat. Immediately, you can distinguish between each of the characters. They've all got their own motivations. We've all got the strengths and weaknesses. And it just works. I think it reminds me a lot of when Jason Aaron first made Jane Foster Thor. And this feels mm. like the first 20 issues of that, the establishing journey. And you really are invested. It's one of the things that I read immediately when I realise a new trade's come out. And yeah, I I think Jed Mackey's fantastic. And I think that's fantastic. Going on to somebody else that I love that's really coming to the coming zone the last sort of 18 months as a new writer is Benjamin Percy. Year Zero, mm. Volume 2. It is a zombie apocalypse. But what it doesn't do is focus on the incredibly handsome cast of protagonists it's a series of vignettes of people in different circumstances around the world and how they would deal with it how would it affect the serengeti how would it affect how somebody survives in somewhere that's quite remote where you have to walk that sort of distance to get water anyway and the stories are so personal that they would work without the zombies but the zombies are just that extra but then yeah i just i just love the way he writes characters they always seem deeply personal like he's actually writing somebody he knows or he's seen like he's sort of peering through the windows of people as they just go about their lives and he's just writing down notes the depth and the tones and flavors of each character i just really like the way ben percy writes and that's true of his 
X-Men stuff as well. I think Wolverine and X-Force are two of the, the few consistent titles that haven't fallen off a cliff with that. I mean, don't get me started yeah. on Hickman's actual title because it's a fucking disgrace. The main X-Men book? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was this big like fanfare Leading up to X of Swords, it was like everyone was just a one shot, a one shot, a one shot, a one shot, a different story. And I thought, okay, he's going to pull these back together. There's going to be a point to it. Now he's left the title. I'm three trades in and X of Swords. So that's probably four trades, really. And nothing. I don't even care now if he pulls it together. I just feel like he's been wasting my time issue to issue. Some of the issues are genuinely confusing. Like, I feel like I've missed the page. I don't think the writing's any good. I don't like the way he structured it. And it took me far too long to realize 12 titles deep. Yeah. You know, Matt, that's galling. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just, the whole thing doesn't make sense. I feel like I've been kind of swindled by the, that whole entire X-Men extended version. Cause you know, remember um, the first series of X-Men books, like Marauders remember, and like maybe X-Force at the time, whatever it was, yeah, came out all at the same time. Remember that was like two years ago. And we we're all so excited about reading those. And I bought every single one of those. I continue to buy every single X title. And the thought was, you know, I may not follow this exactly in the first instance because Hickman, it, it takes time to come together, right? And conclude. And for instance, like the Fantastic Four stuff. I love that stuff, but you have to read it once it's all there to really come together. And I, my expectation was that this would be the same way. I kind of bought all these on the view that in the at the end of the day I will I will have this really rich story that lasted yep. you know two or three years in the Marvel yep. universe and yep. I'm not getting that at all. All I have is a bunch of junk. Um, but that said, the final one of my recommendations is Hellions um, by Jed Wells. Is it Jeb or Jed? Whatever. Jeb it is. Uh, something with a B. Jeb Wells. Jeb end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone called Sokovia and Curial's doing the colours this is just fantastic and I thought this was just going to be a disposable sort of throwaway joke title which it did supremely well for volume one but now we're really getting into the weeds for the characters and their motivations and the trust and is it a team and who can they who can they believe it's it's the only thing to come from X of Swords that I was interested in finding out what happened to them afterwards I think Sinister's just a great foil for the team. What's her name? Nanny and Orphan Maker. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't work. <laughs> little egg-shaped robot. And War Child. Is it Wild Child? Wild Child. What a character. Like, they're so abrasive. Like, X-Force seems like it's sleek and precise, isn't it? But these are the guys yeah, that go yeah, yeah. do, like, the grotty, slimy... <laughs> Good jobs. And, and none of them want to be there. None of them like each other. But at this minute in time, there's like a camaraderie that's starting to develop. And none of them really want to admit it. But it's there. It's just fantastic. I, I love it. So yeah. Hellions, Year Zero, Black Cat, Shanghai Red. Boom. What you got, Tim? So you, as you know, my reading week to week generally revolves around getting my poll and just filing books away. And then what I'll read typically first in a week is anything I pick up that's a new issue. And so the idea there is like, I'm going to read this number one to see if I want to put it on my pull list. And so that's a lot of like the reading I do week to week. I rarely have the time to dip into the stuff I already own, which is a, its own, could be its own segment on our show. Um, But one thing I wanted to highlight this week, I have a lot of things I like this week, but I just want to highlight one today which is a book called uh, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. This is a Rick Remender book with, um, yeah. And what I like about this 
one thing you have to be careful about is like Remender has a reputation for starting titles and not finishing them. And I'm hoping this is one that he'll carry through to the end. Um, but basically what it does well is like we were talking about earlier, where panels do tell the story with very little text. When that's done well, it can yeah. be really, really effective. And that's the first part of this book. So it's basically a guy that you follow around his day to day. He's sort of like just his comings and going during the course of a day. So he's like walking around, going into a convenience store, like trying to find cigarettes, all this stuff. Meanwhile, he's actually looking for someone. The first part of the book is very, very sparse in terms of having dialogue. The panels tell the story. And it does a really great job of depicting the rhythms of the boredom, irritations of everyday life. So he'd like, he'll bump into somebody and have a, like a little conversation or li like literally bump into someone and say like, hey, I'm sorry that I bumped into you. So it's like a little, few little human interactions, but they're all depicted similarly as sort of cast off interactions. Right. But at the end of the book, it turns out one of those interactions are is going to become much more important. Right. It's a very exciting book because the, the tension is ramped up throughout. And in fact, increases to a cliffhanger at the end. So you yeah. don't get a detente. It's like all ramp ups, like a very effective first issue. And I thought the, the, the art's great. It's very, very fine line work on the illustrations and beautiful sort of like vivid coloring. All the same kind of palette, but it, it really pops off the page it took me only five minutes to read this issue like i'm a pretty really? slow reader but it really really does a great job of depicting like i said the rhythms of the boredom of everyday life you're lulled into that and then something pops yeah yeah he's really good and then going forward just a little preview i got a copy of the first volume of the ec vault horror comics okay which i'm gonna read do you know the east like the old ec stuff like shock comics and all those i, I don't you know know. i don't oh man oh man so these are like comics from like the pre-comic code era like 1950s books and they're they're like very very grisly and insane really? yeah and so they reprinted these i forget who's reprinting them exactly i think dark horse had the rights for a while and it might be okay. somewhere else now but i bought a copy of the first volume of horror comics which is which promises to you know for the halloween season i like to read as you know i like to do seasonal reading yeah, yeah. And so I'm very excited to get into that because I, I promise it to be insane. Like I've read a bunch of ones like shock comics. There's one called psychoanalysis, which is extremely disturbing. Um, anyway, so this is the horror one. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great. So I'll probably report on that next week. Cool. So I, th I think we're finished, mate. Yeah, man. And as always, that leaves me one thing to say. We have been, and this is the end. Woo. All right. Episode. Cool. That was fun.